Where did you go to school? And who is your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan-worshipping Freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of here! There are much more powerful international forces in play. Is this pink guy? Is this what pink guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. Please go outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys. We just want to tell this, mate. Mate, because I want to do this, Well, I ain't spending any time on it. Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and in today's Conditional Release Program, we are taking a long, hard look at the January 6th uprising, the House Committee hearings, and what Jack describes as a gap in our knowledge of what transpired in the planning of the attack on the Capitol building. Yeah, it's all very murky, and one particular meaning could go a long way in determining if Trump faces charges along the lines of conspiracy to commit sedition. And we'll be extending our iniquities into the gens... Our in- iniquities? <laughs> Fucking spell check. <laughs> <clears throat> and we'll be extending our inquiries into the Gen 6 mayhem to our beloved patrons who keep the show rolling along. And for those who aren't patrons, you won't get to hear it. Oh, well, you can, provided you're prepared to pony up to our Patreon. Or if you send me a message with a sob story, appeal to our leftist tendencies about how you broke and your cat's sick and fucking whatever, that'll work as well. (laughs) I've got a sick cat. Please help, because for as little as $5 a month, you can pay my cat's vet fees, and they do exist, so mm. that would be great. And as a bonus, there are all there is all sorts of content behind the paywall, which varying degrees of quality, but it's not so bad. Yeah, and you can get stuck in by going to www.patreon backslash the conditional release program and have a good mm. look around there. Yeah, have a sniff, have a sniff. But I'm with the free bits. There's all your favourites. There's Black Bill Fuckwit, Sobsits for the Man, and the rest. And in disturbing news, the week in Pete Evans has been set aside because he's just pointless. Oh, it's the so real true. point about Pete Evans. He's pointless. Yeah. And he's been cast into the abyss in favour of our favourite new Senator-elect, Ralphie Babbitt, in a new segment, Deej and Titles. See you later, Pete. Yeah, and it may only be for this week, but let's just see how boring Pete gets and for how long. But in the meantime, we better get on with it. And that means it's time for the Conditional Release Program's weekly news. He was warned. He was warned. He was fucking warned. So Monica Smith has had a huge win this week with her incitement charges being dropped by Victoria Police. Huge. In an email sent out to an exclusive mailing list for donors only with the subject, in all caps, Monica's charges dropped. She said this in all caps. Wow, wow, wow. Is that how you envisage you're saying it? Wow, wow, wow. Not wow. I don't know. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. The police have just dropped the charges. And then she wanted to say this. Without the comfort of knowing I had financial backing, there's no way I would have been able to continue, and I'm sure it's part of the reason they're backed off. It's just, it's classic Monica. Just always courting those donations, you know, oh, yeah, no, you just keep them coming in. But unsurprisingly, it wasn't the financial backing that scared them off. Yeah, I didn't it's think so. Actually, because Monica Smith is kind of irrelevant now. Yeah. This is the statement from the DPP. The Director of Public Prosecutions has decided to discontinue the incitement charges on the basis that there is no longer a public interest in pursuing these matters. Ooh. Ooh. No oh, longer a public a interest. Bit harsh. 
<laughs> Come on, Monica, don't worry. You're not irrelevant. It's them. It's not you. You're yeah, still a you huge just, thorn in the side of the government. You still matter. You're relevant. <laughs> it's just not interesting. We're just kidding. Anymore. No one cares about you anymore. You're just mm. you're boring. Yeah. So what's next? She's going to fight to get all the money back and then some because she wants compensation. She's going to sue the police. Yeah. Of course she fucking well, is. Well, donate now. Is she though? I mean, is she going to sue the police? Yeah. That's very hard to say. I would I wouldn't recommend it. I'll be surprised that Monica had legal advice on this one. Did someone really tell her to sue police after they just dropped a case for a lack of public interest? <laughs> not for not 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 for evidence. Not for any reason that's material to the case. It's because she's not interesting enough. You know what makes you interesting, Monica? <laughs> Suing the police. Don't be interesting. Pull your head in. And this is the thing. I mean, like, cookers have this obsession with just testing their luck. They just love pushing yeah. authorities and anyone until they break. And they go, oh, what happened? But, but surely she can't be stupid. But that's her business model. <laughs> that's what she does now. <sighs> she, she gets donations from people and she spends them on reckless pursuits like suing the police. I mean, there wouldn't be a lawyer. Well, there probably are about four well, lawyers yeah. in Victoria who'd say, yeah, now that you've got this, you should go and sue the police. Most sensible lawyers would be going, well, you dodged a bullet. Yep. Now pull your head in and shut the fuck up. Time to go Time to go and have your baby and live a normal life. Oh, I know. And that is the thing. Speaking of babies, it has been a very hard month for Monica, oh. who has been seen without that flashy engagement ring of hers. Because mm. apparently she's parted ways with her scurvy-stricken fiancé, Morgan Jonas. That's a priceless uh, zirconia on her yes. finger there. Yes, I'm pretty sure it would have been a diamond, to be honest. They were doing very well at the time. And the power couple from Pakenham, they were set to carve out a piece of the Australian dream, hills hoist and a lot, and now it's kind of, the dream's kind of dead. She's living in a fucking van down by a river. I mean, she has had a win. (laughs) She's on the government cheese. She is. She's loving it. (laughs) But the thing is, is that when she wins, we tend to win as well. Because instead of calming down and laying low, She's not keeping a low profile. She's not doing anything smart. She's going to antagonize the cops with frivolous court cases, with chip-packet lawyers based on terrible advice. And it's just going to make her funny content. Yep. So, look, I would say in the meantime, Monica, I think you've earned a few vodka cruises, packet of pretzels maybe, you know, go all out. (laughs) Take the night off because freedom is won today. You've won a battle, basically the war. It is just such a shame they drop the charges because they can't be bothered pursuing you due to your lack of relevance. That's You're not interesting, Monica. <laughs> That's pretty sad. That is a bit sad. Oh, Mon Mon. And over in America, Joe, and this will shock you, according to Second Nexus, an online news reporting agency, <clears throat> and this was kindly passed to me today by most excellent friend of the podcast, Mark. Mark the Love Keeper, you, that is. We all Good know. lad. Who Mark is, or we both know who Mark is. He's an excellent fellow and a great friend of the podcast. Absolutely. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, a Trump supporter has been indicted by a federal grand jury on two counts of wire fraud after it was discovered he set fire to his own trailer and defaced his garage with pro-Biden and Black Lives Matter graffiti, then claimed he was a victim of arsonists because of his Trump MAGA flags. Of course he was. 29-year-old Dennis Vladimirovich, ooh, Mola, made the news in September of 2020 when his trailer and vehicles burned and graffitied, including the phrases Biden 2020, BLM, 
and the anarchy symbol, a capital letter in a circle, were found scrawled in Pinkney's garage. And, of course, no one does that. That's not how this works. It has that sort of <laughs> Jushy Smollett sort of vibe. It's so sus, right? Immediately sus. And for anyone who doesn't remember that story, he is a gay black man, fairly successful actor, or at least was, who staged an attack on himself to elicit sympathy from fellow celebrities, which worked. And then as the story came out, it was just so absurd that it was clearly a setup. And there's lots crazy. of evidence yeah, to prove Smollett. that. It was interesting. Now, these people have this sort of bizarre idea of what Antifa is. These like weird MAGA fuckers who only watch Fox News and have no idea about the world outside of their strange little cult sphere. So they try and recreate these sort of things for clout, money or both, just like Jussie did. Another instance of this, which I absolutely adore, this story is fantastic, when this 85-year-old disabled veteran claimed his property was vandalized with a burned Confederate flag in the driveway alongside a giant black spray painting Black's rule. <laughs> That's a little obvious, isn't it? We blacks, we rule. Yeah, a black person didn't write that. <laughs> oh, yeah, blacks rule, whites drool. Like, shut up. But this is the thing. Like, only a fucking moron who watches too much Fox News or Right Side Broadcasting Network would think that any anti-fascist would write Biden 2020 on his trailer. Anti-fascists don't like Biden, you idiots. But back to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where Dennis Vladimirovich Moller submitted multiple insurance claims for the damage to his property, as well as collecting more than $17,000 from donations made to two GoFundMe accounts. Moller originally claimed the fire was set because he was a Trump supporter and made a big deal of how it affected his family. At the time of the blaze, Moller said, it just shocked me. This kind of stuff shouldn't happen, especially over beliefs of some sort. It didn't. (laughs) And it would not have happened unless Moller set fire to his own garage, allegedly, and then sought to claim it on his home insurance, allegedly. Mm. It all blew up in the media when a reporter got back to Moller in recent weeks to ask him how he was going, you know, now past the trauma of having his his trailer set set alight and his his, uh, garage door graffiti. But unlike earlier, when Moller was a proper little media tar pushing his GoFundMes uh-huh. and complaining about what horrible people Biden supporters were, yep. he remained stoically tight-lipped this time. Oh. Now, Joel, you're a law-talking guy. Arson, insurance fraud, not to mention the GoFundMe grift. Trump and Moller has to be looking at a long holiday. Well, it's one of those things where I don't really know the ins and outs of American wire fraud law. But what I can say is that Jussie Smollett got 150 days and $145,000 fine for lying to police, which is a very different charge. But it's a situation where, similar to this, there's a lot of aspects to this that aren't being charged. They're just sort of finding the one that they want to use, which is this wire fraud thing. So, for example, with wire fraud, according to basic internet research I've done, anything over $500, which this is, is a federal offense and can result in 20 years in prison and fines up to $100,000. That's not good. That's not good. Dennis, Dennis Vladimirovich. Ouch! He's going to have a shit time because he doesn't have Jussie Smollett's lawyers Mm. and he doesn't have $100,000. What he does have is he has a lot of time to spend in a small room. He's going to have a holiday. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Yes, well, you know, what are the lessons there, Joel? Uh, I don't know. Don't. (laughs) Just don't. Don't grift. Don't grift. Don't commit fraud. And if you're going to- Don't commit obvious fraud. 
Do your fucking research. <laughs> Write a cab on your trailer. You fucking moron. Not Biden twenty twenty. Jesus Christ. Blacks rule. Blacks rule. And the conditional release program is proudly brought to you today by the Smith and Wesson M and P fifteen Sport Rifle, which takes Ooh. all the sport out of spree shootings. Yes. Listeners, if you're tired of guns that jam and play havoc on your shoulder with kickback while you're out and about mass murdering, why not reach for a Smith & Wesson M&P 15-sport rifle? Mm. For just a touch under a gorilla, you could be the proud owner of one of the finest mass killing devices ever made. If the wallopers want to know what you're doing in a two-bedroom apartment with a weapon designed for combat and war, tell them you're a hunter. Yeah. Which is true in a way. It, it is. That's awful. <laughs> the Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport Rifle comes in all your favourite footy team colours. Yeah. What better way to say, I barry for Collingwood while you're killing people who are begging for mercy. Oh, Jesus. Bet that neighbour who complains about the rock and roll music you listen to won't be quite so feisty when he sees you proudly shouldering the Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport Rifle. Which you can now do anywhere in public because the Supreme Court has protected your right to do so. <laughs> Well, road rage will be a thing of the past. Yeah. And what better way to say, I don't think we should see each other anymore <laughs> than with a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport Rifle. Jesus. Remember, guns don't kill people. It's the bullets that come out of them at 1,500 metres per second that do all the damage. I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all... within. And with the soothing sounds of constitutional big swinging dick Fanus Panietti's jangling at our vestibular nerves, it means it's time for which black built fuckwit said that. It's the quiz show that lets you pick the fuckwittery, post it into the show, and we get to read it on air. So at the end of the show, we'll bow our heads and cry that maybe the world's not worth saving after all. Too no. many fuckwits. Yep, like Pete Evans. And if you're successful in today's which black pilled fuckwit said that, Joel, you'll be shot with a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport Rifle. And with each .223 Remington round tearing through flesh, sinew, scything through vital organs before exiting your body and leaving a patch of sunlight that will briefly make your shooter reflect on the irony of it all before moving on to kill everyone in your street. That's if you're lucky enough to not get a hollow point through you. Yeah, but look at that nice pattern through the mm. sun. Anyway, mm. um, and firstly, in which Black Bill Fuckwit said that, we want to thank listener and prominent Black Bill Fuckwit contributor Alyssa for this quote. And we can talk briefly about the subject matter after the quote, Joel. And it was buried, well buried. It was indeed well buried. But, uh, yes, this has been another big story in the United States. Um, and here's the quote in relation to it. She, in parentheses, the 10-year-old rape victim, would have had the baby, and as many women who have had babies as a result of rape, we would hope that she would understand the reason and ultimately the benefit of having the child. Oh, it's so much more fun when it's conspiratorial. Get raped and just think, I'll have the child because it'll be beautiful. That's awful. But it's nah, just nah, This relates to a true story, actually. That It does. Um, and you know the story, and many people will be just appalled by it. Um, it actually started out, in fact, a number of people on Fox News said it wasn't a story at all. It wasn't true. It was made up. Oh, the old false flag. But there was a 10-year-old victim who had to uh, cross the border from 
um, uh, from Ohio in order to receive an abortion. She was, I believe, uh, Ohio prohibits abortion now post Roe v. Wade um, after six weeks. And she was six weeks, three days. And she was taken across the border. And her rapist has since confessed to raping her on multiple occasions. Jesus. So who said, oh, she should have, she should have been glad to have the baby? Uh. Was it? I'll take a six-pack and some casual rape. Justice on the SCOTUS. Brett Kavanagh. Big in last week's program. Yes. Was it? If looks could kill, she would have been stillborn. Pro-life activist, <laughs> Jana Jessen. Whew, frightening to look at. Anyway, was it law-talking guy and believer in the axiom that if they're strong enough to lift two buckets of water, they're old enough to have children, Jim Bop? Or was it fetuses can feel pain? I know because they're in agony listening to me, Abby Johnson. I mean, I We've don't got some pro-life, know. Some of your pro-life heavy hitters in the States right there. I'm just going to go with this Abby Johnson character. No, you went for the wrong pro-life activist. It was, in fact, Jim Bob. Oh. Uh, lawyer, law-talking guy. Lawyer in, I think, in Ohio, but it might be Idaho. Jesus. Who said the 10-year-old rape victim should have kept a baby and be grateful for it. Hmm. That is fucking disgusting. Lovely, these people. What All right. Um, now we get to question two, Joel, and uh, I want to thank listener Gerg. I know Gerg, uh, and uh, this is his very, very fine work. Excellent sent, contributor. sent me a clip, which I started to transcribe, but I, I felt physically ill and I had to stop. <laughs> but in a nutshell, it was a certain person laying out a vision for America where contraception, fornication, homosexuality, and pornography are illegal and women don't go to school or vote. So who said it? Who said, in fact, we want to go back? To the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Was it? Is he a Christian Nazi or a Nazi Christian? Does it really matter? Nick Fuentes. Same, same. Was it the hated tyrant King John of England? Could be. Or was it the father of the Italian Renaissance poet and painter, Petrarch, who's gone, we've just gone too far. We'd better go back to the Middle Ages. <laughs> or was it, I could do with a dose of bubonic plague just to take the weight off, Alex Jones? I feel for Alex Jones because he's had fit periods where he's still kind of fat. It's, I think it's his genes. I'm going to go with Groper Supreme, Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes, Catboy, Catboy lover. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, very, very good, Joel. Look, oh, women can't, won't go to school or vote. It's it's a pretty hard list. It's very, very difficult to agree with. Uh, contraception, fornication, homosexuality, illegal. And then I think that the straw that broke the camel's back in this occasion, they're going to ban pornography. No. Oh. That's that's where the line gets drawn as far well, as I'm concerned. Well, groupers aren't allowed to wank. Um, I think I actually should do an episode on Nick Quintus because it's like, oh, okay, geez. while we shouldn't platform and amplify people, he's actually really funny in a very dystopian and weird kind of way. He's yeah. a really cooked individual. What he asks of his little followers is bizarre. And while he has got a bit of a sort of like, Bobby Cremo sort of vibe going on and it's a bit controversial, I think he can be laughed at very effectively because oh, he, he is he a is fucking basket case. Eminently uh, uh, satirical. You know, One of the mean, whole things is how the Taliban is actually really based. This is this is Taliban. This is a vision of the Taliban in America, essentially. Yeah. It's just that they're Christian. Not but Muslim. they've had this realisation where they were like, hold on. 
Why don't we go to the war with the Taliban? They're totally <laughs> awesome. They're based as fuck. And you're like, I like some. Of, I, I, guys. I do subscribe to their newsletters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like we've got so much in common. I, I just did, I didn't realize at the time. All right. Well, we're going, to be, we're going to be having a look at uh, the 45th POTUS very, very soon mm. in our rabbit hole, Joel. So I struck up some very senior political bigwigs, including him, uh, uh, who may have made this quote. So here it is. Extremism in the defence of liberty is no vice, and moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Mm. So that's right. That's a man who, just so you know, they're all all the availables are conservative politicians, Republicans. My lack of surprise. Um, Yes, but that's basically just saying, just go your hardest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Grab out the Smith and Wesson M and P fifteen and go hard. If you if you're upset, if you're upset, you might be losing a little bit of liberty uh, and uh, and any sort of moderation in the pursuit of justice. Wow, just mm. you know that's ridiculous. Get in there. All right, was it having a bad hair day, but otherwise functioning and more lucid than he's been in years? The forty fifth POTUS, his badass self, Donny Trump. Mm. It's a little bit eloquent for Donald, isn't it? Really, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it, what's your crocker around this bastard? 37th POTUS, Richard Milhouse Nixon. I'm guessing there's a story around that. You're, you're, uh, just a thief. You're just, a, oh. just a thieving, conniving piece of shit. Um, and I just love that uh, the Simpsons have put Milhouse as Bart's, as Bart's oh, next door neighbour. Oh, that's where it came thief. from. Yeah, that's exactly right. There uh, you go. It's, I mean, who would <laughs> up to Nixon's middle name? It's very, very funny. It's very funny to me anyway. I like it. All right, or was it? He would have beaten LBJ in 64 if it wasn't for all that electoral fraud. Barry Goldwater. Yeah. He's a piece of work. Or was it smoking doesn't kill you unless you dry and roll up a fetus or two and f- set fire to them? Veep. Mike Pence already was. Oh, I'll tell you what, I could uh, I could easily smoke a fetus or two. <laughs> smoke um, a fetus. Mike Pence never said anything. Goldwater was never remembered. Nixon? No, it was in fact Barry Goldwater. Oh. He said some crazy stuff. That's probably the more eloquent. He was actually quite an eloquent fellow, but an extremist. Uh, he he went to the sixty four election with a policy of nuking Vietnam, and everyone went, "What? <laughs> Jesus Fuck. Christ! Don't do that!" No. Uh, the LBJ um, uh, campaign put a, um, a photograph, or a, a, it actually an advertisement, I should say, uh, on on television screens at the time of a of of a, a woman of a young girl being being hit with a nuke. And everyone nice. mentioned, oh, Jesus Christ, we don't want to do that. Yeah, he ended up carrying Goldwater, that is, ended up carrying five states out of the 50. Jesus. And got a thumping in that 1964. a true thumping. What a fucking idiot. Oh, Goldwater is the um, is the sort of alter that, that, that all these sort of Trumpists now, you know, um, pray at, you know. Oh, really? really? Was a precursor for some very bad shit in the conservative movement. Well, yeah, that's productive. We fired you, we sacked you, we dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal, you're a traitor, and you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. Thank you, that's what I'll go with. Now you've heard of George Freeman, haven't you, Joel? Yeah. Murderer, gangster, casino and SP bookmaking operator. Yep. Well, pretty much only what you've told me. That's what I know through this podcast and various television shows and... 
Yeah, that's what I know. Yeah, no, he's a very dapper gent. Only man who could wear a white suit and really pull it off. I mean, not the suit, but, you know, get away with it, you know. Uh, and George did as he pleased because he had most of the coppers, magistrates, and one or two police sweet. But he also did as he pleased because he was a free man. George Freeman. George Oy. David Freeman. He did spend quite a lot of time in jail as a young man, which must have been a crippling irony, you know, being George Freeman. But once he put all that behind him, he became a free man, free as a man to create all sorts of carnage. Poor old Jackie Muller. George the free man really made a mess of him in one of those cases that if you come for the king, don't miss. Yeah. Otherwise, George the free man will be all over you. Yeah. And maybe that's what the free man delusion means because according to the Border Mail, hell of a paper it used to be, well, maybe still is, but I'm not sure, but one of the great starting points for many fine journalists, Joe, the Border Mail in Albury-Wodonga, and the Border Mail reports another free man is thumbing his nose at the law. This is what they came up with. A man who has previously claimed to have arrested magistrates during court appearances yeah. says he is taking a driving ban to a higher court. Not sure if that actually works jurisdictionally, but I'm sure he'll find out. Yeah, he's on his way. Desi Bird Freeman was convicted Free in the Wangaratta Magistrates Court on June 30 of refusing a roadside drug test, speeding, and using a mobile phone, probably making one of those dumb fucker videos in his car, right? Yeah. Takes he was banned from driving for two years and fined $1,200. That's a bit sad. That would suggest to me, Joe, that he's got a couple of priors up his sleeve. But anyway. Yes. Not, would not saying for sure. Might have a couple up his sleeve. It would. The North East Albury man did not appear in the Wangaratta court and was convicted in his absence. <sighs> what rebellion. Don't turn up. Yeah. Don't contract. Don't contract don't, to the don't court. Contract. As soon as you walk into the court, you've got a contract. Ah, fucking idiots. The matter had been before the court on many occasions, but was adjourned before being finally finalised. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not, not everything great at the <laughs> border mail at the moment. But anyway, it was a good paper job. I promise it, you it was. And, and his quote was, I'm strongly defending those charges. Mm. Are you, though? You didn't yeah. go. Dead. You didn't go. You didn't so set up. Freeman but said he, he had waited two years for a fair hearing, which in his mind doesn't exist. And this is great. Asked to drive while his appeal was pending. Yeah, it doesn't work that way normally, does it? No, no. The magistrate Lance Martin said, I'm not going to hear it until I'm satisfied that both sides have an opportunity to properly put their cases to court. There is a proper process to be followed. That usually includes turning up. Just, just saying. His no. bid to drive pending the appeal will be heard on Monday for some reason. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that shouldn't get past the registrar, but yeah. fuck it, why not? Yeah, so, that's, that's that. It's actually his bid to his bid to drive pending the appeal will be heard today, as we record, Joe. I wonder he got on anyway. I wonder how he went. I can only imagine. Freeman has previously claimed to have arrested magistrates Peter Dunn and Ian Watkins in the Wangaratta court, mm. um, to, I'm sure, varying degrees of success. <laughs> and in a video following a court appearance in 2020, Freeman said he had arrested Mr. Dunn under a 1958 law, Ooh. where he was quoted to say, I told him he was not free to leave and he was in my custody. I wonder man. how that went. He's a free man, and yes. he told him he was not free to leave. No. So he's, he's, he's locked up a couple of magistrates. Apparently. Are apparently. they still locked up? Are they out yet? I, um, I, 
it's so hard to say, Jack. It's so hard to say. <laughs> and I just like I just want to flash back to Myrtleford in November 2020 yeah. with the misprision of treason charges right. that Dan were thrown Andrews up against Dan Andrews. with treason. Well, Oof. misprision or misprison that they often misspell it. Yes. Yeah. And I, honestly, I still don't really know what the charge means and I don't really care because it's dumb. But the great thing is, is that apparently 250 people turned up to the courtroom and they said they were going to, as as is tradition, arrest the magistrate. Yeah. And uh, the issue was, is that there wasn't a magistrate to arrest because uh, it was done by video link. It did. And there was no magistrate in the building. Yeah. So yeah. they didn't really do their research, as they are famous for doing, and they made complete cunts of themselves because they're stupid. But my favorite part of this, which is great, the case got thrown out because basically to bring these private prosecutions, it's something, I can't remember what it was, didn't write it down, it's like an $87.50 charge to bring That's these right. things forward, which yeah. is way more expensive for the state to execute than that. So they're getting a fucking bargain. but. What you have to do is you have to serve the serve person. Serve that person. Which yeah. you could have In done case, at Dan Andrews. electorate office. It's really not mm. that hard. But they didn't bother because these people are stupid. So Mr. Dunn, the magistrate, immediately tossed out the case. Just dismissed it because there's no basis. There's no standing for it. It's, they didn't serve the guy. And upon learning, one of the organizers outside said in a microphone, they just threw it out. We have to start all over again. Hooray! Don't start all over again. <laughs> it's not going to work. Fucking so moron. we reckon that, that the magistrate then was Peter Dunn, who free man, has previously claimed to have arrested. Yes. And, so- and he's probably a travelling magistrate, so he goes from Myrtlefoot to Wangaratta and other parts of uh, other parts of Victoria. Um, so we reckon that could be free man, Desi Bird free man, although he's not named in any of the reports. Yes, well, look, there's there's a a lot of people involved in the misprision of treason case. I'm not sure if Desi (laughs) was involved. I just think it's really funny that people think they can arrest magistrates. That is great. Apparently, there's a section of the Crimes Act where it states that someone committing an offence may be arrested without warrant by any person. The thing Mm. that it doesn't say, though, is that you can make up the offence as you go along. (laughs) So... Yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on the free man, Desi Bird, the free man, uh, as he goes into the county court. I think he's due for a listing uh, on October 28. He could arrest a judge, Joel. He could Ooh. arrest a couple of magistrates, maybe the full bench of the county court. Have them he all, can and he should. Have them all in chains. Get them. The, the 1958 law means he could do that. In fact, exactly I could it. arrest you right now, Joel, and I would if I was a free man. No, you're just an insider and no one cares. Yeah, so I think it's a nil-all draw at this point in yeah. Sausage Free the Man, but it could go either way. It, it could go either way. It does, does arrest a couple of magistrates or the full bench uh, of the county court. Well, I mean, that would really or, string up a victory. Or it could go really, really badly for him it with could. cost orders and what have you <laughs> ascribed to him. But until then, Desi Bird Freeman is living on a strict diet of government cheese in a van down by the river, which, subject to appeal, he can't drive. I, I still haven't worked it out yet. And if you haven't worked it out, keep asking the question and keep looking for the answers because it's irrelevant.
We've been talking in news items about the January 6, 2021 riotous and illegal entry to the Congress, and we've been following the congressional investigation as it's been going, what it is leading to, and we've tried to keep you informed, but the topic is absolutely by far too big for just one of our news items. It goes for fucking ever. Yeah, let's look at some of the things we do know. We know that by December 18, 2020, Trump and his followers had decided that legal action could not stall or change the result of the 2020 presidential election. They lost each and every one, including two cases the SCOTUS dismissed. And in the aftermath of a meeting in December uh, December 18 in Trump's office, in the Oval Office, uh, a tweet emerged. In fact, it was the wee hours, came out the wee hours of the 19th of December, where Trump said, big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there, will be wild. And to be fair, it was wild. So he wasn't wrong. Yeah, because what we're saying is that at that point, everything kind of changed. They knew they had no legal avenues left. And so what took place then was a plan from Trump and his cohorts to have the joint sitting of Congress interrupted on January 6th yep. and have Vice President Mike Pence decline to accept the counts from the Electoral College, sending them back to the states to be revised, possibly changed and re-accredited. And in constitutional terms, it amounted to a coup attempt. Yeah. Um, that tweet from Trump set in train a protest movement assembling from the fringe groups on the right, three percenters, Proud Boys, a whole smorgasbord of every violent right-wing extremist group, uh, uh, a calling cry for them to uh, to assemble at D.C. outside the Congress and execute a series, and I probably should use a better word than that, but, <laughs> but to go through a series of military-style plans to ensure that uh, the election result would not be certified. And even if that didn't succeed, a failure is still a win in this sort of situation yeah. because a lot of these groups are, consider themselves accelerationists who generally believe that a civil war is coming, which is mostly along sort of political ideology and racial lines, and the quicker it comes, the better. And the Boogaloo Boys, who are massive accelerationists, were in there with their dopey little Hawaiian T-shirts and the absurd tactical gear they bought from fucking Walmart, trying their best to sort of ferment this division and create an atmosphere of war. But the thing is, it did. It worked. It really did create a sense of division and potential conflict. So, I mean, mission accomplished. Yeah, really. this is is one of these things where we can look at what might have happened and, and speculate on that. But what did actually happen? It was so shocking anyway. Um, but, it, it, what we, and we'll get to this in a minute, when we start thinking about what happens if Pence went another way? Yeah. Uh, it, it, what happens if Pence did order uh, the states to re-examine? And, and it was only state, it was only 10 states, and they were all the states that, that uh, Trump couldn't stand the idea that, that Biden had won from him. So Arizona, yeah. uh, Michigan, uh, Georgia, um, uh, Wisconsin, um, Pennsylvania. Uh, and, and and order those people back. And a lot of them would have done it. A lot of them would have flipped yeah. themselves. Yeah. But what we don't know, and the vast gap in our knowledge, is what happened in the days beforehand, so January 4 or 5. What communication took place between Trump and his cohorts and extremist leaders, like your Boogaloo boys, like your three percenters, what direct com- and indirect communication took place between Trump and his cohorts and these people, uh, and possibly through conduits like Roger Stone and Steve Bannon, yeah, and many of our listeners will be aware, certainly be aware of who Steve Bannon is, and Roger Stone, who is this sort of dirty tricks guy that uh, that linked himself uh, with the Trump campaign all the way back in 2016 and stayed in his favour. Uh, Bannon and Stone, Stone had bodyguards with him who were members of the Proud Boys, by the way, 
yeah. on January 4 and 5. They're just not saying. Yeah. Uh, and Bannon is one of two former Trump aides to face criminal charges in connection with rebuffing the committee, rejecting their subpoena, along with former White House trade advisor Peter K. Navarro. More on him later. He, 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 he set out a whole list of justifications uh, for uh, rejecting, for, for Pence to reject um, the, the college votes. And a lot of the uh, situations from- here uh, at the hands of people who Trump had gone through firing people and firing people to find people who sucked up to him unconditionally. So in a situation yeah. like this, loyalty was everything and he had loyal idiots next to him. In the end, there weren't that many. And and and, and basically, um, uh, Trump's White House counsel uh, Basically, he wouldn't he wouldn't go with it. So there was these there were these groups of the ultimate Trump sycophants, and Bannon yep. certainly was one of them. He was yep. prepared to go all the way. Navarro was another. Um, uh, uh, even people like um, we might say Mark Meadows was sort yeah. of halfway in, halfway out. Oh, would you say that? That's interesting. Yeah, I thought he well, was we'll get to that in a minute. So Bannon had refused to engage with the House Committee, so he just said, "No, I'm just not doing this." Uh, on the same day Navarro was indicted in June last year, the Justice Department's Department disclosed that it would not charge former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows okay. uh, for rejecting the subpoena, for failing to respond to the subpoena, and Communications Chief Daniel Scavino Jr. because they had cooperated with the committee to a point, whether it was by providing relevant documents or records of conversations and text. They didn't want to appear in person. Um, but they provided the committee with some relevant documentation. Uh, Bannon did none of those things. Yeah. Bannon has talked tough. Pray for our enemies, he said, because we're going medieval on these people. We're okay. going to savage our enemies. That was when uh-huh. he was indicted uh, as the trauma. Well, just not long after he was indicted on in one of his podcasts, he said, who needs prayers? Certainly not Stephen K. Bannon. He does for that splotchy face, though. Surely there's a stroke coming. Yeah, that's one hell of a case of psoriasis, I think. It um, doesn't it's, look good. It's a beauty. It just feels um, there's something underlying there he needs to uh, really work on. Look, while Bannon is looking at a jail term for contempt of Congress, it won't be a long one. His jail term could be as long as a year or as short as a week. Can't be anything longer than that, and depending on how proceedings go. But his strategy has been to avoid any plea deals so far, but he is guilty if his counsel, David Schoen's remarks in court are anything to go by. Schoen asked the presiding US District Judge Carl J. Nichols, what's the point into going to trial if there are no defences? The judge replied simply, Agreed. Uh-oh. So that's kind of in loyalty language. That's a request for Bannon's lawyers to do a deal. He, he used, he tried to, he attempted to use presidential privilege, uh, that the conversations that he had had with Trump were under presidential privilege, but that was, that was flipped. That was uh, decided against him. And so all he's got left is basically he has been in contempt of the proceedings. So he can't really do anything now but go and have a plea deal. That's yeah. the thing that's going to save him. And now he knows that. Yeah, okay. Um, because, you know, he'll probably hang tough. I mean, yeah. if, it's a, if it's a difference between a week and a year in jail, he obviously wouldn't prefer the year, but he'd probably stick with that. He's a pretty scary guy, and he's got very scary supporters. <laughs> he's got very scary like supporters. It freaks me yeah, out. Bannon's cooperation is critical, although it probably won't happen. You know, Bannon was at the centre of the conspiracy at the Willard Hotel, and this is where we're going, right? The Willard Hotel. It's a five-star hotel, a block from the White House, and we sort of know who was there, but we don't know who was plotting and who planned what and with who, and we don't know a lot about the communication with the White House just around the corner. 
<clears throat> in issuing a subpoena to Bannon, the committee said it wanted to question him about activities at the Willard Hotel the night before the riot, when Trump supporters sought to persuade Republican lawmakers to overturn the 2020 election results. The committee said Bannon spoke with Trump by telephone that morning and evening, the last time after Bannon predicted, and this is a direct quote, hell is going to break loose. Ooh. The January 6th and the committee's report re- recommending that he be found in contempt said the comments indicated he... and I quote the report now, had some foreknowledge about extreme events that would occur the next day. The group that assembled there, they called the Willard Hotel the Command Centre, a set of rooms and suites in the posh hotel a block from the White House where some of President, uh, President Donald Trump's most loyal lieutenants were working day and night with one goal in mind, overturning the, the results of the 2020 election. Can't do it legally. The only way they can do it is for, is for Pence to get up um, in <coughs> at the joint sitting on January 6th and reject the Electoral College votes and send them back to the States. That's all they had left. Which he would have had good advice saying, don't do it. Just don't do it. This is a bad idea. Don't fucking do it. The January 6th rally on the Ellipse, it's just outside the Capitol building, and the ensuing attack on the, on the Capitol building itself by a pro-Trump mob would draw the world's attention to the quest to physically block Congress from affirming Joe Biden's victory. But the activities at the Willard that week add to an emerging picture of a less visible effort mapped out in memos by conservative pro-Trump legal scholar and pursued by a team of presidential advisors and lawyers seeking to pull off what they claim was a legal strategy to reinstate Trump for a second term. They were led by Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who was yep. there that night. Stephen, who was at, who was actually at the Willard Hotel that night. Stephen Bannon was a presence at the Willard Hotel as the effort's senior political advisor. Former New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Kerrick was there as an investigator. Also present was John Eastman, the scholar who outlined, who outlined scenarios for denying Biden the presidency in an Oval Office meeting on January 4 with Trump and Vice President Mike Pence both present. The effort underscores the extent to which Trump and a handful of true believers were working until the last possible moment to subvert the will of the voters, seeking to pressure Pence to delay or even block certification of the election, leveraging any possible constitutional loophole to test the boundaries of American democracy. Eastman provided the legal framework for the delay or for the proposed delay that that Pence would not accept the Electoral College vote, refer it back to the states and shut down Congress. Eastman's first memo, only two pages long, described a six-point plan by which Trump, uh, by which Pence could effectively commandeer the electoral counting process and enable Trump to win. The memo was first revealed in the book Peril by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. Recommend uh, that anyone really interested in January 6th have a read of it. And it's just some stunning insight into Trump's personality uh, <clears throat> from uh, Woodward and Costa. Anyway, the committee has also requested documents and communications related to Eastman's legal advice and analysis. Eastman told Washington Post on Wednesday that he has not yet been contacted by the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection. You're a lawyer, Joe. Why, why do you think that would be? Why wouldn't they have approached Eastman, who provided this sort of legal architecture for this, what was clearly illegal? In fact, Eastman actually acknowledged that it would 
almost certainly be unconstitutional. Well, firstly, I'm not a lawyer. I am a student at law, and I am legally bound to make that incredibly clear. Well, Leslie, you're, you're, uh, from, from, a, from a behavioural point of view, why are, they, why are they not hitting up Eastman right now? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, the thing I find fascinating about this Eastman guy is he's smart. Because you, you start down the bottom and you go up the top with these sorts of things. Right? Yeah, because he's and, a smart guy. Like, why is he fucking doing this? Yeah, Surely so, he knows this is a mistake. It tells me they're going to get him. It tells me that that's, that's what it tells me. So they keep, keep him out. The last person, the last person into the tent, is going to get is going to get dealt with the hardest. And yeah, each person okay. who comes in before them, so the early guys, they get a chance to cooperate. Yeah, right. they get a chance to cooperate. But the last and, and guys that need to from cooperate. There, so, you, so you get to the sort of almost the, almost the top of the pyramid and then they start really whacking people very hard. So yeah. Eastman's got some – that tells me that Eastman's got some terrible problems if that's what if what he told uh, Washington Post is true. And he oh, hasn't dear. been contacted by the select committee. That means they've got something – I mean, it's not, a, it's not a prosecutorial body. Let's be clear about that. Uh, the, the but House they refer – House, they they would refer to the Justice Department, yeah. and on the basis of what the Justice Department's done already, we would anticipate charges to be laid. Whether they'll go as high as Trump remains to be seen, and there are some issues. Yeah. We'll talk about those shortly. But those who are really within that Trump, uh, within that very close Trump circle on January four, five, and six, if they were seen to be urging him on, they have got a problem. If you're involved, you would not be getting good sleep. Not good quality sleep. Yeah, so <coughs> WAPO put to Eastman uh, um, questions about his involvement in, in the Trump team's operation in that in that time frame. And he, he was, his reply was, to the extent I was there, those were attorney discussions. You don't get any comment from me on those. Oh. So he's got to be a little bit nervous. In May, Eastman indicated that he was at the hotel with Giuliani on the morning of January 6th. We had a war room at the Willard. I used that term war room, you know. Just was that a good around. idea? Not a good idea. Not a good idea in hindsight. We had a war room at the Willard, he said, kind of coordinating all of the communications. And this is what he told a talk show host yeah. some months later. Also present was one American news reporter, Christina Bob a lawyer by training who was volunteering for the campaign at the time, according to people familiar with the operation. She was there as well. She's a journalist, right? And you could say, okay, you're just there reporting on this. Yeah. She wasn't. She volunteered to work for the campaign. Plausible deniability. You know, talk talk about your bad choices. Oh, totally. A lawyer by training. I mean, come on, dude. You spent several years learning why this is a bad idea. Like, (laughs) come on. Like- Eastman's the, Eastman's the biggest confusion. Like, how can you be an academic and a scholar and so fucking stupid and naive? Well, the um, astonishing. Pat, Pat Cipollone, White House counsel at the time, he gave evidence last week um, and uh, he, he was asked to sort of, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was throwing, a, throwing a, a, a pretty tame curveball uh, and he said, you know, why, why was it a, a bad idea for um, – uh, why was it a bad idea for uh, uh, you know this, this this architecture, this design to to have Pence um, basically overrule um, the election results? And, and Cipollone's response was, "Do I really have to tell you why that's a bad idea? Do I really <laughs> need to tell you why that's a bad idea?" He had he kept himself 
I mean, he's sort of retained a fair amount of privilege uh, in in respect to this, but he did ultimately give um, did ultimately give testimony to to the hearing. He was one of those who stayed true, and there were a lot of them. And of course, Pence is probably the the, the key person. Yeah. Uh, former youth, we mentioned it before. This is Kerrick, um, uh, the former uh, New, uh, New South Wales, former New York Police Commissioner Bernard Kerrick. Uh, he said that his firm billed the Trump campaign. He was at the Willard. He and billed the Trump campaign more than fifty-five thousand dollars for rooms for the legal team. Jesus. The former police commissioner who was helping to head up efforts to collect and investigate allegations of election fraud was later reimbursed. Record. Oh, that's nice. Because Trump's actually famous for not paying his bills. So, well done, you. Would, you. you would have, once Gen Six came and went, you would have been thinking, well, I've got the bill in on time. I, yep. I'm, I'm just not sure if I'm going to get paid. Maybe uh, I should Donald, just send them an email, you know. Yeah, just I just a, sent the email, just just, just following up with that invoice. Um, did you receive it? I wonder if I could talk to anyone in accounts payable. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, the three people familiar with the operation t- described intense work in the days and hours leading up to and even extending beyond 1pm on January 6th when Congress convened for the counting of electoral votes. So they're still humming away. And in those first days in January from the command centre, Trump allies were calling members of Republican-dominated legislatures in swing states, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, and spotlight, you know, basically, basically reading out Eastman's memos, encouraging these uh, these state uh, uh, state officials, state politicians, to convene special sessions of their own uh, state congresses to investigate fraud and to reassign electoral college votes from Biden to Trump. To Calling the, elected officials to do insane shit. Yeah, well, just imagine um, getting that call, just being like, "Are you fucking serious?" You're kidding, right? You really want me to do that? Are you fucking nuts? Have you well, lost your mind? Some people did that. Others others didn't. On January 2, 2021, Trump, Giuliani and Eastman spoke to 300 state legislators via a conference call Jesus. to arm them with purported evidence of fraud and galvanise them to take action to decertify their election results. You are the real power, Trump told the state lawmakers, according to a report in the Washington Examiner. The Washington Examiner being the sort of right-wing version of the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. You're the ones that are going to make the decision, he said. You know, a participant on the call, Michigan State Senator uh, Ed McBroom, who's a Republican. Great recalled, name too. Uh, yes, yes, he's McBroom. sweeping legislation. Um, uh, recalled listening as Trump, Giuliani, Eastman and others des- described the power state uh, legislators had over the certification of electors. I didn't need any convincing about our plenary powers, McBroom told uh, the Washington Post. I was listening to whether they had any evidence to substantiate claims of significant voter fraud that could change the results in Michigan. Uh, The callers did not provide additional information or that sort of information, he said, and he did not support a delay in the electoral vote count. So one Mm -hmm. base gone, "Ah, I'm not doing this. You keep talking about fraud, where's your evidence? You're fucking mad. And they didn't have any. No. Uh, of course it didn't have any because it was all made up. It was yeah. made up in the mind of fucking Trump and Giuliani on, oh, I think it was November the 4th at around about 2 o'clock in the morning. And, yeah. And Giuliani, he's de- denied this, but uh, according to everyone else who was in that room in the White House, uh, he was shit-faced drunk and walked up to Trump and just said, just tell him you, just tell him you yeah, won. just tell him you won. And that's yep. when it, that's when it all victory. started. 
Um, you know, uh, just when the votes were being counted, uh, within uh, you know, within sort of twelve hours of, of, of the final, well, not final election, but election results coming through. And this being in the most powerful country in the world, that sends armies and billions of dollars to instill democracy in places they think don't have fair elections. Let's ruminate on that. As we move forward, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll keep going. But this is a, this is a great gap in their con, in the, in their constitutional authority. I mean, if Pence had rolled and gone with Trump, God only knows what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, like the Constitution and many other legal documents assume that people aren't fucked in the head. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, there's like, occasional yeah. provisions. Oh, yeah, we should. What, what, what we do if, if we've got a president who's gone mad? Oh, well, we'll we'll, we'll create uh, we'll create uh, a, a constitutional amendment, amendment? Uh, amendment number that? twenty-three. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's an amendment. Um, uh, uh, and um, it's up back somewhere. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> this person is cooked. Get rid of them. Yeah, you know, and then there's a process, but they have no process for actually what would happen if. Um, uh, if a sitting president refused to accept the election results and then turned it back on the states. Now, the courts had decided, we're not deciding, this is not our job. So this is this is the this sort of crazy thing that they came up with, as I say, Eastman being the architect of it, and acknowledged openly that he thought it was unconstitutional and said that probably they'd go to jail if they proceeded with it. Oh, good. Well, yeah, well that's going to be helpful. Uh, well, yeah, there's a risk, there's some downside. Let's go anyway. Yeah. But look, when we talk about this uh, uh, Mr. McBroom, uh, the Michigan State Senator, uh, he said, well, I didn't get any information, so I knew exactly what I was going to do. Uh, he was going to reject all this nonsense. But, yeah. but others appear to have been persuaded. Uh, three days after the call, dozens of lawmakers from Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin wrote to Pence. They asked that he delay certification of Biden's victory for 10 days to allow, and I quote from the letter, our respective bodies to meet, investigate, and as a body vote on certification or decertification of the election. Uh-huh. So a lot of them have fallen, right? Yeah. This could have happened. And it all fall, it fell apart because Mike Pence rightly believed he did not have the constitutional power to send the results back to the states. Yeah. But just imagine for a moment what would have happened if he did. You know, yeah. the chaos that would have been wrought is it's almost unimaginable. People wouldn't Trump know what to would do. have had they to bring do. in extraordinary powers because there would people would just flooded on the streets. Yeah. It would have been so violent. The military would have been called in. Trump would have no doubt brought that in. He would have brought in extraordinary um, presidential powers that are used in wartime. He would have brought all of those things in. It was spoken a lot about in the QAnon circles, martial law. Yeah, martial law, all of that sort of stuff. And then yeah. just remain as president and you just try and dislodge me. Because he's fucking nuts. So all hail Mike Pence. He's a very he's a strange, strange unit. Um, but, but all... You know, it, it's probably worth remembering that when someone like Pence or even just someone joins the Marines, well, they take an oath, not to the President, not to the Congress, but they take an oath to the Constitution. Constitution. And yeah. so they hold it, you know, almost sacred. Mm-hmm. The trouble is that it's a wildly interpretive document. It is. <laughs> and... and, and and, and basically, when there are people around who are uh, who is just as awful and terrible as Donald Trump, yeah. they can sort of drive a truck through it or at least try to. Just look at the Supreme Court. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Mike Pence did the right thing. But, again, you know, you just got to think about what might have happened. What happened was bad enough. Yeah. You know, people died. 
in, in the Capitol building and outside at law yeah, enforcement officers sustained injuries and later later and, and later died from and that them. Pilled girl died. She got shot. Yeah, and you know that pilled. Yeah, the pilled. The pilled. The former. Uh, I think she's former Air, Air Force. Um, yeah, uh, she, I think she was a bit. Yeah, so yeah, shot, 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 shot dead. You know, I mean, it shouldn't have happened because all because this vile narcissist could not conceive that he'd been beaten. He just yeah. that was it. Just tell him you won. Yeah, Rudy Giuliani. Just tell him you won. Yeah. And I remember that speech because it was probably at a reasonable hour. I think it was about 2 or 3 in the morning DC time, but in Australian time for some reason it seemed to be, you know, sort of, um, might have been um, a sort of prime time. Oh, I was just pissed and, and at the OTC's place, And he got up place, and, he, and he said, you know, we thought we were going to win this election and we, and then he just pauses and he goes, and we did win this election. <laughs> and that was oh, it. Fuck. That was it. You know, that was that moment where the delusion kicked in. Everyone, a lot of other people went, whoa. I mean, it's it's really hard to conceive of where it where it would have ended um, and, and how it would have ended, you know? Yeah, yeah. But as it stood, what took place at the Willard, Willard Hotel needs to be explained. Not just how the Pence plan uh, might have taken shape and had been progressed, but who was speaking to the Proud Boys, the three percenters, the Oath Keepers? Who was telling them what the plans were? Yeah. Who took them through the fucking Congress the day before? So the way the way this stands from the congressional uh, from the congressional hearing is that when that tweet from Trump came around in December saying, you know, be there, be it'll be wild, that all of these right wing extremist groups decided to got stuck in and started doing their planning then. Oh, totally, yeah. Are you trying to tell me that no one updated them. No one from the White House. No one close to Trump. No one like Bannon. No one like Stone were updating them. And Stone's actually got two, two proud boys body as his bodyguards through yeah. that period. Yeah, yeah. Speaks volumes. Yeah, whoever that person was or people were, uh, they're indirectly responsible for the violence that did take place. Yeah. We'll move away from speculation, but, but, but look what happened, you know. Well, they're legally responsible for the story. Three people dead and a parliament stormed by crazies who would have hanged Mike Pence if they got their hands on him. Yep. Hello, Roger Stone. Hello, Steve Bannon. I mean, Bannon will only go down for contempt of, of Congress. But gee whiz, there's so much, there's so much there, so much yeah. rich material there. A terrible person too, just a fucking shit person. You might also wonder why the Congress was so poorly defended on that day. Yeah, that's been that's been an issue. There were like 25, 30 troops, you know, that was it. And they're, and they're normally, you know, dealing with tourists. Oh, no, no, you have to walk down here. Just take a turn to the left. You'll find the toilets over there. Oh shit! Hang on, hang on. Someone's someone's trying to strangle me, you know, with with uh, with uh, with my own baton, uh, you know, with handcuffs. So someone's yeah. trying, someone's blowing bear spray into my face. Yeah, and another guy got me in a headlock, and I think my heart's going to give way. I think people should have known more about it. There were signs. Intelligence failed. Yeah, so we might wonder why the con- uh, the Congress building was there when everyone knew this was going to blow up. I mean, you and I were were, were recording around that time, Joel, yeah. and, and we knew it was going to kick, and we oh, knew totally. it was going to kick off. So yeah. why why weren't um, various and, – and we do know that various uh, state uh, reserve groups, um, uh, National Guard troops from – 
because DCs has is, is its own uh, jurisdiction uh, from Virginia and from Maryland were waiting to come in, and they weren't given the go ahead for a long time. Yeah, uh, and I guess most of all, what we want to know is what did Trump know? What was he talking about? Who was he talking to? And the prevailing evidence is that he knew a lot about. Yeah, that's it. He did. He knew fucking heaps. He's not like Nixon. He's not cunning like a you know, like cunning, cunning as a shit house rat like Nixon was. He's not that cunning. He's dopey. And he is likely to have left a a real trail of evidence. Oh, definitely. Will he be charged? That's hard to say. Yeah. Still doubt it. You know, when when the congressional hearings first started here, when the the House committee first started sitting, I thought, no way. But now I'm thinking it's a possibility. Yeah, okay. It'll be charged with something serious too, like conspiracy to commit sedition, you know, which comes with a lifetime life sentence. Yeah, okay. And I think they're better now. I, I still don't think it's likely, but I think it's it's better than 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 it was because you know the, this committee has has do, has sort of uncovered a pathway all the way to the Oval Office. If they jail Trump, there will be a fucking uprising from idiots. Uh, it, it, Those morons fucking worship him. <laughs> it'll make the OJ trial <laughs> look like uh, look like the Wanger out of Magistrates Court, mate. It will. It will. <laughs> Look, the difficulty comes from charging, from charging, and the difficulty arises from charging. As he was sitting president at the time, yeah. and, and there's all sorts of constitutional exemptions that go around being a president. Yeah, that um, not a lot have been tested, and and, and it sort of uh, evokes uh, Watergate um, because no one was quite sure. There was there were arguments put around that that Nixon could not be charged, that he was acting as president, therefore a president can you know, or can't commit crimes. It's it's one thing that, that the right wing have been sort of carrying through for a very long time. And if whatever a president does cannot be illegal, so therefore there are no consequences. Yeah. Probably worth rem- reminding our listeners that uh, Nixon was impeached in the House and, and that impeachment was well on the way to the Senate and he'd lost everybody and he was going to be, uh, he was almost certainly going to be convicted in the Senate uh, and would have almost certainly uh, lost the job anyway. But again, constitutional murky area. But one of the items of impeachment that went through the House and would have gone through to conviction of the Senate was the, the, the secret war in Cambodia. Yeah. You know, that Nixon had basically prosecuted a war and not told anybody about it, hadn't told Congress. And Congress must approve invasions of foreign, foreign, uh, foreign countries. Yep. Uh, and that's why that's that's why I still put Nixon a mile ahead of Trump, by the way, because <laughs> he was just a real piece of shit. Anyway, when we get to Trump... Probably not going to be charged, but what this uh, what this House committee uh, uh, the House committee hearings has done is it, it basically shown his behaviour in, in the wake of his election loss to America, you know, and it's now yeah. there for all to see. It's exposed him as a bit of a fucking narcissistic cocksucker, and it it kills him. You know, if you, I mean, I, I don't know uh, what I'll be prepared to bet on this, but basically, the House, if you like it. He's dead. He's, as a political candidate, he has these hearings have killed him. He's the only one Biden, the only one from the Republican Party, Republican Party that Biden can beat in twenty twenty four, and the GOP knows it. And he's dead politically. I don't know. I'm I'm not completely convinced of this. I'm happy to watch out and find out and see if you're right. I won't die on this hill, but um, Trump twenty twenty four has a lot of legs. Biden is not getting any younger. 
and the gradual damage of a death by a thousand cuts of suggesting he's a demented old man. Uh, I hope yeah. that Biden doesn't run again in 24. Uh, I think neither of them will. I, I, think, I don't think Biden will run again. If if they were going to run to some sort of sense. I mean, don't, he's a thousand think, years old. Don't think for a moment that Trump won't, will stop being political because that's his, that's, that's his business model, right? Well, it's the only thing that makes him money now. Yeah. I mean, who's buying anything from the Trump brand? Endorsing candidates. Yeah. I'm like, guys, fucking, the guy is dead in the water outside of this. Huh? Who's, who's buying any, anything from Eric's um, Trump website? You know, yeah, he's selling candles. No one. So, so that's how they. This is how they. It's the grift will continue for as long as he basically. But as soon as he announces that he can't do twenty twenty four, that so he'll get rolled in the primary. That's it. Won't be that he'll come up against Biden or whoever it will be from the Democrats. It will be that he's rolled by DeSantis or someone else in the Republican Party. I don't think Trump will run if he can't win. So at some point he has to say it's over. And when he says that, he just disappears. He becomes, you know, an irrelevance. Okay. All right. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what happens. He loses all power at that stage, Joe. Trust well, me. no, Trust if me he loses, this. he's fucked. But I don't think he's going to do it uh, that easily. So, he, so, so like the grasping fucking narcissist that he is, he's going to keep this pushing and pushing. He yep. said just just a week ago, big announcement, you know, on his, on his, on his, on his Trumper. Twitter, Trump version of Twitter. What's it called? Truth Social. Yeah, yeah, Truth Social. He said on Truth Social. No, he big truth, announcement he coming. This is two truth weeks social. ago, by the way. Coming soon, big announcement, you know, be on your toes sort of thing. And yeah. it was like nothing. But nothing he's a hype man. That's what he is. He's a fucking hype man. He's just he's yeah. he's hot air. Yeah, so the moment he says I'm out, or look, he, he may be so disturbed as as to get into a primary, and then get flogged yeah. in that primary. Yeah. And as soon as he says it's over for me, you know, it's Mario Lago, and put your phone up, but but put your feet up, and and the phone doesn't ring. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, that is anyway. That's he's bankrupted in the meantime. So here's the thing, right? So one of the many polls regarding uh, regarding the the uh, the Gen Six uh, riot. Uh, insurrection, if you want to call it, attempted coup, uh, shows that a vast majority of Americans believe Trump created the big lie and is responsible for the hell of January 6th, right? Yeah. So, so we often get this different focus. Many media companies seek to explain why so many Republicans still still believe in the great lie. Yeah. In uh, last week's uh, New York Times-Siena poll, and they put that figure at sixty-two percent. So sixty-two percent of Republican voters believe in the in the big lie, and we often get that media focus. Gee whiz, that's a lot. You know, that's almost two thirds of people still believe in that Trump won the election. Two thirds are hot. But when you flip that, I mean, it's ninety percent of Democrats and about eighty-three percent of independent voters. That's why it's cooked, by the way. Yeah. Um, um, some primaries allow independent voters; a lot don't. But anyway, but. Almost, you know, wow, almost two-thirds, but that's not surprising to me. Almost two-thirds of, of Republican voters believe in the big lie. That, that doesn't really surprise me because you flip that. You say, well, 38% of Republicans know Trump lied. Yeah, you know? that's tricky, isn't 38% it? 38% of the party that he represents knows that he created this awful, terrible lie that put the American Constitution and its political institutions at threat of just being torn or torn apart, you know, they know Trump conspired to stay in power illegally. 
and they know who Trump is now. Yeah. And that's more than a third of the party of people who vote for the party that he represents. And that's why he's dead. Yeah, that's a, that's a big opening. That is a big fucking opening. Well, we'll have more on January 6th, including some case studies of people who were there at the Capitol building on that dark day for our patrons in an overflow episode that'll be out at, later this week. Um, we're trying to get weekly overflows as much as possible because there's so much to cover and it's great to just have a bit of a riff on something at the end of the week. And this is going to be the subject yeah. this week. And it turns <laughs> out Trump's gambit destroyed a lot of lives and a lot of these people were just perfectly innocent people yeah. who were just playing a More fucking game that didn't understand. They didn't. They did not understand it. So Jack and I'll be reporting on that for our beloved patrons. We look forward to doing it. We hope you join us for it. And you can breach the paywall, ha ha ha, by paying as little as five dollars a month. You won't go to jail. You'll just give us a fiver or a tenner if you like. It's fine. <laughs> it's actually it's actually sturdier than Trump's wall. Yes, the uh, the paywall. It's very hard to break. It you is very hard to break. Just get a ladder too. and just climb over it. Unless you send me a message and ask for it. So if you go to Patreon.com/slash the Kiss New Release Program, you will get access to this and many other things. And yes, we're begging. And no, I don't care. And to wrap the show. Pete's out. Pete Evans gone. And Senator Ralphie Babbitt, the one and only successful candidate from Fat Clive's UAP, is in. In favour with Joel, that is. We call Ralphie Zippy, by the way, and you can too. But has he had a huge week? We're about to find out in Deej and Titles. And it has not been a huge wing in Pete Evans. Not, not even huge. close. No. The bloke barely cracked 70 posts this week, nah. and they were all complete shit. Nah. I could focus on the misleading nature of this rarely study he posted about myocarditis and pericarditis in a limited time frame that describes the impact of long COVID on heart disease in a completely misleading study, which is complete bullshit, which happens to be, ironically, from a heavily anti-Semitic disclosed.tv source. But honestly, it's all the same. I it's don't boring, care. Pete. You're boring, boring, Pete. Same shit. Broken record. Don't care. Pete is on this big run of anti-vax nonsense, and it's just so repetitive. Gloating about people being sick is weird. I don't know why you do that. <laughs> Posting made-up bullshit about depopulation programs. It's just you were doing this a year You're ago. Boring, man. You're boring the shit out of us. You Pete. need to grow. You need to grow and uh, maybe evolve. You fucking dead shit. Mm. But Senator Ralph Dej Zippy Babette, he's a man. He's been on a fucking roll. He has been on a roll. <laughs> He's our man. The issue with Pete, and as much as I love the week in Pete Evans, and it is not over, it's just on pause, but while Pete mindlessly shares memes from questionable sources, Zippy shares these news articles but then adds his own two cents. Yeah. So these news articles are from the most predictable fucking sources, The Spectator, Sky News. I mean, what do you expect? It's, it's, it's only the quality journalism that shapes a mind like his. Mm. But unlike Pete, man, like, you know, he's getting in there. He's got yeah. a voice. Whereas Pete, I just got to patch together the nonsense he posts. He's a senator now. Big boy. He's a senator. Just like Pete should have been if he took his invitation. He'd be wearing his big boy trousers. But Ralph is still trying to figure out politics. Zippy hasn't quite got the ropes yeah. yet. Yeah, he's trying he's- to figure out his ideology, you know, because he's never had to really worry about that before. <laughs> But luckily, he has opinion pieces from political geniuses like Alexandra Marshall <laughs> in The Spectator. Ellie Melly. To help shape his wisdom Oof. and, uh, you know, really figure that shit out. 
Another source of infinite wisdom he's decided is some sort of weird muse for his dopey fucking foreskin-shaped brain is a posthumous unofficial Margaret Thatcher Twitter account that just posts random Margaret Thatcher quotes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he retweeted a few of those bangers, don't know why, and then he had his own deep insight into socialism, and it goes... Socialism sounds vaguely plausible in theory, but in practice nothing comes of it, nothing good comes of it. We must do everything possible to limit socialism and socialistic tendencies in our nations. Ooh, he's going global. It is obviously <laughs> the antithesis to freedom and individualism. More capitalism, not less. There's an ideology. It's not yeah. much of one. It really just doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones. And there's all sorts of holes that we could put to him in. He'd sort of babble and probably burst into tears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just on the absolute brain strain. But, yep, yeah, he's come up with this. Socialism sounds great in theory. Communism sounds great in theory. Pol Pot, yeah, there, there was a man. There was a man who came up with something that was good in theory. It's the one thing he knows about it. Because he's not across the brief. He doesn't understand what he's socialism is. He's got the L plates on. Has got he the plates on. Reading Das Kapital on the weekends? <laughs> no, no. No. He no. hasn't. And this is the thing. You don't actually know what socialism is. You learn what socialism was from Margaret Thatcher quotes on Twitter. Dead Margaret Thatcher. Dead. She's yeah. dead. She's, she's, she's been <laughs> she dead a while. She's dead. So if you want less socialism, let's go from a policy standpoint. Do you want to start by cutting Medicare? That'll be popular. Is that the antithesis to freedom you're talking about? Mm. The antithesis to individualism, to be able to get world-class healthcare without the fear of medical bankruptcy, you fucking dead shit? See, that would when make him cry. Say, Even having to think about that would make him cry. It's embarrassing. The guy's a fucking intellectual nobody. But when you say more capitalism, not less, the issue is, is that you don't actually know what that means. No, no, you just, you're just you saying things. You're Maybe let the Commonwealth words. Bank run the country. Yeah. But this is the thing. I mean, I'm torn because this is why I love you, Zip. You're just going to speak first and think later. <laughs> but like <laughs> six is, years. This is why he's our man. This is like year zero and you're already talking absolute nonsense. You are a gold mine of content. I love you. So he doubled down with this utterly bizarre brain fart. More capitalism. He said that before. More yeah. capitalism, less government. The government couldn't organise a beer in a brewery. Every <laughs> ill you're experiencing and will, and experience will experience is directly or indirectly caused by too much government intervention in the market. I actually love this because, like, apparently everything bad that happens to you in life is due to government intervention government. in the market. He, he says government. Government. Does he? Oh, that's yeah, cute. G-U-M-M-I-N-T. What, what a government. fucking moron. Fucking so, government. like, I mean, aside from the fact that you're actually a part of the government. You, you, you're in parliament, mate. Um, you're which in Parliament. Senator, his- Senator, hey, 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 <sighs> you're in the fucking Parliament now. It's in hard. that room with the pedophiles. <laughs> in the building with the pedos. <laughs> He's going to yell at himself now. But mm. this is the thing. Like, I, like that one, I'm not even going to bother because the tweet speaks for itself. It's such yep. an absurd statement. It just makes no sense at all. Is if he I getting s- many likes? I've I, I just got to start following him on Twitter. Is, He's is, not. Is he- He's He's very funny and I'm staying out of his threads because I just want to keep on getting it without having to use a sock puppet. Yeah. But I just love this. Like if I go like and like I stub my toe on the ground, oh, government intervention. Fucking government. Oh, fuck. Fucking government. 
fucking government. Oh, man, I fell over the other day. I swear to God, the government intervened. It was like I was doing like perfect market shit, but then the government like taxed my pavement. I'll tell you what, in my experience, governments organize beers actually really well. They do. Um, that is they do. They're a little true. bit, they've gone a little bit, you know, flip floppy on it, you know, in terms of, oh, we mustn't drink too much and all that sort of stuff. But, in, you know, in the good old days, Government was terrific at organising beers. Just casually, I spent some time in Shorten's office some time ago. We wanted a case of beer and it arrived fucking shortly after. <laughs> but this is the thing. I mean, this is why I love you, Zip, because you're just a fucking moron and you're not afraid to speak. Pete, this is leading by example. Mm. Be funnier. Like, I get, I, you've got your weird doomsday obsession, but it's boring. No one cares anymore. You're not funny. You're not interesting. You're just annoying. Sure, okay, the vaccine's going to kill us all. I get yeah. it. But you're just a broken record at this point. Boring, Pete. You're boring. But Zip. You're boring us. Zip's hilarious. He's yeah, fucking great. And while you're just him. busy maintaining your lavish lifestyle with this $2,500 a head slumber party you're pulling off, old Zip <laughs> making me giggle on the regular with hot takes on Twitter about things he just fundamentally doesn't understand. And he doesn't have any self-awareness whatsoever. I fucking love him. He's great. So, yes, until you do a better job at bringing some hot takes in your telegram, and I'm not just saying sharing bullshit that I'm going to rip apart. I'm talking original content. (laughs) Old Zippy Bab is going to be the boy at the end of the show. Now, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I need to go and organize a beer from a brewery because it's really hard to do. What a great metaphor, you fucking moron. I I really just hope Zippy is is. Is not just good in theory. That's, no, that's what I'm no, doing. No, is, no. is he just good theoretically? He's you know, great that in, in practice. actuality, and that'd be a word you'd have to spell for him. And in actuality, <laughs> uh, you know, he may not be that funny. Well, anyway, right. we'll see. We'll what see. Gonna it's going to be. It's going to be fun just watching. So far, so good. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with AK. We set up a Facebook page, you find it fairly easily, just search for it with your fingers. And I must say, promoting a podcast is easier than done. This is the precursor of me to whack on about some bullshit about sharing posts and stuff. You know the fucking drill. Share it. You know what? If you were a new listener, you Don't wouldn't know the drill. Don't just do it in but theory. We, but you're all old listeners because you're not sharing. So old listeners share so I can make a new one of these for the new listeners that you recruited from your social media. Do your jobs. Yeah, yeah. Got to say that. It's harsh, but it's fair. It's harsh, and the Patreon fair. is up and running, and we ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. Yeah, for as little as $5 a month, we have access to all sorts of content. There's People's Treaty. We do overflows. We're trying to be better. We... Uh, posting things, and they're just shit you can listen to while you're doing the dishes and driving. But if you give us even more money, you get other benefits. Look at the tiers. We offer stuff. But if we get to a 1,000 patrons, we promise we're just going to walk straight into Downing Center and just arrest a magistrate. I'll do it. I'll do it's it. Com- it's completely legal. 1958. Right 1958. I we can, can do, do it. it. We can do it. Crimes act and shit, bro. Yeah. We love the grift. It's just we're not as good at it as the cookers are. Help us! We're morally conflicted. Yeah, see, I'm not morally conflicted in any way, shape, or form. I'm actually going to sue Victoria Police on behalf of Monica Smith and just take her compo payments. Mm-hmm. And yeah. finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. That's how you get all of us. Yeah. We would love to hear from you, even if it's to tell us that you've recently been a victim of a hate crime. Just make it up as you go along, and I'll surely send you a stubby holder out of pity. In oh, theory. Poor lad. Thanks, listeners.
See you next See you time. Guys. Take care. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me! You guys are bastards! <laughs>